Hello and welcome to Hugenhoff Podcast, episode 81. Today I have Lore with me. Lore, how are you? That's not my name. Um, Steve, how are you? Hey, there you go. I'm doing okay now that you remembered who I am. Thank you, sir. How are you? Uh, doing good. Uh, before we start the show, I will, well, I'll just real quickly tell you we are doing the um, Gilfaginning again today. Uh, but a little bit of station news, nothing new. Uh, my website, of course, is hugenhoff.org. That's H-U-G-I-N-H-O-F dot org. Emails, if you have any questions, concerns, or you just want to say hi, you can send those to hugenhoffpodcast at gmail.com. There was a little bit of weird stuff with the RSS feeds. Totally my fault. I had accidentally typed 2018 instead of 2019. So when the feed went out, it was there, but it was like way back in the 2018 part of the feed. So you might not have seen it. So if anybody missed episode 80, it's probably in your feed. It's just in the wrong order. I've updated the RSS since, so hopefully everything's in the right order now. And you can always just go to the website, go to the podcast tab, and listen to it there. But if anyone missed it, I do apologize. Uh, I think I've got it fixed now, so we should be normal here on all, out. You should all thank me, because I'm the one that notices this and keeps texting him saying, Hey, what the heck's going on, man? <laughs> yeah, that's true. The way my pod catcher work, I use Podkicker because I like it. I've used it forever. Um, I, it's probably not the best one use whatever you want but i've had good luck with Podkicker, and i don't know exactly how it works but it will download how do you say it doesn't just download the newest episode it downloads the episode you haven't listened to yet so when i published it episode 80 even though it was 20 showing 2018 instead of 2019 Podkicker realized i hadn't listened to that episode and auto downloaded it so i was like everything's good you but auto uh, download That's oh so yeah weird well i, I don't want i don't want about filling up my phone okay well again i like but this i am not affiliated with Podkicker. they do <laughs> not pay me but i really like the program for two reasons first of all Auto-download only happens on Wi-Fi. You have to turn that on. But I have an only uh, download on Wi-Fi, so I'm not using my data, just my Wi-Fi. And what I have it set up for is there's a few podcasts like Lore, which I really love. Um, Thank you. I was talking about the podcast this time. Oh. Um, but sure, you can be in that group too. But... Um, for, for that one, it just automatically downloads everything. When I finish listening to it, it automatically deletes it. But for some other podcasts that I like, but I don't necessarily stay up on, like Daily Tech News Show, it happens daily, I can't listen to every single one or no agenda, those, it has an auto cleanup. So I'm like, save two episodes, and after I already have two episodes, when you download the newest episode, you delete the oldest episode. So even if I'm not keeping up on a podcast, it will download the new ones and then delete the old ones that I haven't had a chance to listen to. So that way I can get a 
list of podcasts that always stays around. I'm just throwing out a number, maybe 20. So I've always got 20 in there because it's deleting the old ones and replacing them with new ones, except for the podcasts I really love and I really don't want to miss. It never deletes those. So you can kind of fine tune it to get the exact right amount of podcasts. Is this the paid for version? Um, Both versions do it. I got the paid for version because I had used it for like two years and I really wanted to support the developer being as I was a developer at one point in time and kind of still am, though not for Android these days. I have a soft spot for developers and I want to give them money if they do good work. So I was, I think the update was like $2 and I was like, I want to help the guy. So I do have the paid version and it gives you a couple more features, which are nice, but all of the auto cleanup, auto download, download on Wi-Fi only, that's all available in the free version, which I really like that, they did that um so yeah it just and and i switched to the classic view so i have a list of everything that's downloaded but then my playlist is separate so i just like go through them and i was like oh which well i'll put these five on my playlist because i'm going to listen to them and then i when i get through with my playlist i go back over to the download section and choose the next ones i mean it lets you stream and stuff if you'd rather stream or just have a giant pile of downloaded podcasts i just don't want a playlist that has 20 things on it but i want to have 20 things downloaded in case i listen to 20 things so i oh. like keeping them separate i love this app okay um, see i use podkicker and i like it too and i don't remember which one of us uh, recommended it to the other but i, I still just use the free version it's got ads, you know, whatever. Yeah, I don't know who recommended it to who, but if you recommended it to me, thanks. I love it. I just wanted to support support the guys who made it. It's a couple dollars. But yeah, if you dig into their settings, there is a bunch of different settings that you can do. And it's you have per podcast download settings. So you can set an auto cleanup and you can say however many episodes you want and then just automatically delete if it's three it automatically if it automatically deletes the oldest one as soon as it reaches whatever that number is yeah i have like a super convenient giant list of subscriptions that's like i don't know 50 60 different podcasts but i don't listen to it (laughs) much of them anymore i just don't have time so like i download a few and if i get to them i get to them and then yeah yeah, I don't do the automatic stuff because yeah, there's certain podcasts that I want to catch and yeah. I want to get certain episodes of others as opposed to all of them. So I don't know. Okay. All right. Yeah, most of the ones I don't listen to religiously, I just have an automatic download and delete because they're usually news-based so i was like i really want to listen to the most recent news mm. See, so I, I those are t- my auto ones my stuff is usually topic based it's not uh i guess news so okay. if there's a good topic i'll download that one and save it and then maybe not listen to any of the other ones until something else interesting comes up oh uh, that makes sense and you can well you know you have it you can use podkicker pro that for the audience to no, you can use Podkicker that way as well. Just download the ones that sound interesting to you. There's a lot of different options. I love automation, so I sort of I like yeah. going in there and playing and with those settings. Knocked you in the teeth simply because you put the date in wrong in a database <sighs> one time. And- yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> so backstory to that. We have got to get back on topic, but we're almost done. I promise. Backstory to that is. 
making RSS feeds and HTML files is fun the first time you do it, but by the time you're doing it for the 80th time, it's really boring and I don't like doing it. So I use Access at work, so this is kind of an excuse to get better at that. And I made a database that would create my HTML and my RSS feed files for me so that I don't have to do it every time. I just put in like the key things that change, like the episode number, the date, the description, the Google Drive link. I just put those in and it makes the file for me. So I was doing that. I was just putting those in, but I typed a number wrong. I typed like 20, well, a month before last, I guess I typed in 2018 instead of 2019. So I was like, Oh, I typed that in wrong. I'll just go in there and change it. So I went into my table and I changed it. But what I forgot is the table is not where the information is stored. The table is created in the export process from a secondary table, which is just the variables. And I set it up that way in case I ever needed to change something. I didn't have to read through like RSS feed formatted stuff because I was like that would be hard plus I'd have to change like the RSS feed table and also the HTML table so what I should do is have my data in a separate table from my actual output and I had a variable table which was a good idea I think that's the right way to do it unfortunately I forgot I did it that way so I just changed the RSS table and then that didn't change anything permanently when I did the podcast next month the error came back and I also typed in 2018 a second time, and that messed everything up. So then I remembered I had the variable table, and I went in there and changed it. What I should have done is after the file was exported, I should have deleted those tables, and then I would never have to worry. You see... I'd, I'd never have to worry about changing the wrong table, because there'd be only one populated table that existed. Dear audience... The machine that goes ping. This is the conversation every time. He yeah. just goes on and on and on, and it's all gobbledygook. I mean, yeah, you can follow it, and that's fine, but it doesn't matter. It's the machine that goes ping. No, it's it's super cool. I really like. I used to not like VBA, but I have come to. I I like Java better still, but I've really come to like VBA. I think it's a good, there's some problems with it, but I think it's a good language overall. I'm coming to like it as I use it more and see what it can do. Well, that's what everyone says about any language that they learn. I like this one. This one's good. It functions. It's what I want. It's the same thing with, you know, speaking. I like English. English is great. It has everything yeah. I want. Yeah. You know? I mean, objectively, I think I'd have to say Python is best and then Java. And then probably VBA. You're getting a little bit of interference on your side. That. I don't know what's going on. Well, that's unfortunate. Uh, maybe I'll clear up. Let me mute and come back. Okay. Um, while he does that, I think I've gone over all of the station news before going into that never-ending tangent. But big things to remember, hugenhoff.org is my website, and hugenhoffpodcast at gmail.com is where you can send us feedback. So do that. I think Steve is back. No. Hey, whatever you did worked. <laughs> yeah, so, I fiddled with some buttons. Nice. I think we've dragged this intro on longer than we should have. So let's jump straight into the gilf again. No. I do. Um, oh, <laughs> I actually, actually, before we do that, tell people about your book. 
hey, if you want to be entertained as opposed to talked at, you can always read a book that I wrote. One of many. I have uh, five. If you like poetry, I got that. But my latest book that is out is called Walk On. And it's, you know, it's a science fiction-y kind of thing about time travel. So maybe give that a listen or a listen. Read it. I'm sorry. It's a book, not an audio thing. So, yeah, it's on Amazon.com. Just type in Walk On with Stephen Oaks in there and you should find my book. Okay, thank you. And that link is in the show notes. I wrote Lightbringer, Byron Rogers on Amazon, if you want to read that. Uh, I'm going to jump into 23 then. It says, so we were reading The Gilfaginning. I don't think we need to remind people what that was. It's a story. Oh, I did want to mention we're using the sacred text version. That is also in the show notes. And that's a great place to read it because it's free. I have a physical copy of this book around here somewhere, but... A sacred text does a pretty good job with most of these manuscripts, so I've been pretty happy with them, and it's a free resource. All right, 23. The third among the Aesir is he that is called Njord. He dwells in heaven in the abode called Noaten. He rules the course of the wind and stills seas and fire. On him shall men care, on him shall men call voyages for hunting. He is so prosperous and abundant in wealth that he may give them great plenty of lands or of gear, and him shall men invoke for such things. Nord is not of the race of the Aesir. He was reached in the land of or he was reared in the land of the Vanir, but the Vanir delivered him as hostage to the gods, and took for hostage in exchange him that men called Honor. He became an atonement between the gods and the Vanir. Njord has to wife wait Njord has to wife the woman called Scotty, daughter of Thazi the giant. Scotty would fain dwell in the abode which her father had had, which is on certain mountains and the place called Thrimirheimer. But Njord would be near the sea. They made a compact on these terms. They should be nine nights in Thrimir Thrimheimer, but the second nine at Nauten. But when Njord came down from the mountain back to Nauten, he sang this lay. Loath were the hills to me, I was not long in them. Nights only nine, to me the wailing of wolves seemed ill, after the song of swans. Then Scotty sang this. Sleep could I never on the sea beds, for the wailing of waterfowl. He wakens me who come from the deep, the sea mew every morn. Then Scotty went up onto the mountain and dwelled in Thrymere, and she goes for the more part of snowshoes and with a bow and arrow, and shoots beast. She is called Snowshoe Goddess, or Lady of the Snowshoes. So it is said, Thrymheimere tis called, where Thazi dwelt. He the hideous giant, but now Scotty abides, pure bride of the gods, in her father's ancient freefold. Okay, so a lot going on there, but this is mostly talking about um, Njord and Scotty, who are married, and they have an interesting arrangement where each of them sort of hates the dwelling of the other one, uh, which you can understand that especially, I shouldn't say especially, but Njord being used to living by the sea, which is a very different place than the mountain. So that's kind of like 
a disagreement they have. They can't decide where it is that they want to live. This is also where it's mentioned that Scotty is connected to snowshoes and the bow and arrow. I don't know where else that's mentioned, if anywhere, but this is the place I came across it, that she's connected to snowshoes and bow and arrow. Uh, did you have something to mention on this one? Uh, not from the reading, no. But there, there's more lore about Scotty and uh, your in elsewhere so if you're interested that could happen to you um we can mention it quickly if you want to um i guess the first one it's it's kind of funny because the the two pieces of lore that i think of for Njord Njord first is of the vanir or the vanic gods and they had a war with the azir they're like on the same side now I guess they got over it, but in the like uh, settling things and contract and signs of goodwill, they exchanged hostages or people to live with the other side. And Njord was one of those gods, so Njord was eventually was originally Vanek and then gave into the Aesir as a sign of goodwill that he's going to live with them now. Scotty is actually in a very similar situation because there was a war between the gods and the giants. That one's still going on. And um, a lot of, or some of her family was killed in that war and she went to Aesir to claim vengeance, I guess. And the gods didn't really want to kill her or... <coughs> Well, she wasn't being war. violent. She just wanted, you know, reparations, <clears throat> basically. Yeah, I think I think that's that's right. Yeah, she wanted reparations, and uh, but I feel like if they didn't give them to her, it could have turned right. violent. Yeah. But anyway, she wanted reparations. Her family members had been killed by the gods in the war, so one of her rep- reparations was that she could choose one of the. Aether gods to get married to. And obviously the one that you'd want the most is Balder. But the condition was she had to judge them by their feet. And it turns out that Njord had the most beautiful feet. And obviously she saw the most beautiful feet and thought they must be Balders, but they were Njord. So that's who she like got to marry. Uh, which is interesting because she, in many of the same ways as Njord, was from a different uh, race of entities. You know, Njord was Vonic originally and came to live with the Aesir. Uh, Scotty was originally a giant before she came to live with the Aesir. So even though there's a lot different about them, especially where they decide to live, there's some similarities as well. So, uh, did you have anything else to add to that? I did not. So I guess I'll continue on to 24, which has some information in it that contradicts other things I've read elsewhere. So I'll begin. Okay. Njord and Njotun begot afterwards two children. The son was Freyr and the daughter Freya. They were fair of face and mighty. Freyr was, or is, the most renowned of the Aesir. He rules over the rain and the shining of the sun, and therewithal the fruit of the earth. And it is good 
to call on him for fruitful seasons and peace. He governs also the prosperity of men, but Freya is the most renowned of the goddesses. She has in heaven the dwelling called Folkwagner, and wherever, wheresoever she rides to the strife, she has one half of the kill and Odin's, and Odin half, as is here said. Folkwagner is called where Freya rules. Degrees of seats in the hall, half the kill she keepeth each day, and half Odin hath. A complicated statement to say. Her hall, Sisremnir, uh, is great and fair where she goes forth. She drives her cat and sits in a chariot. She is the most com comfor comformable <laughs> to man's prayers, and from her name comes the name Honor, Fru, which, by which noble women are called. Songs of love are well-pleasing to her. It is good to call on her for furtherance in love. Do you see where my contradiction was in there from previous or from other mythology lore? Um, no. Which one are you talking about? Okay, so yes, Nord is the father of Frey and Freya. Mm -hmm. That's fine. That's elsewhere. The way this is written, it is saying that Nord in Njotun begot afterwards two children after words from the previous statements where he was married to Scotty. Now, are we saying Scotty <clears throat> is the mother of these two? No, I My don't think it's saying that. That's the way it's reading <sighs> to me. Now, she does act as stepmother and does call them her children in other mm -hmm. places, but she is like a stepmother, not the mother-mother, at least in other lore that I've read. Right, because my understanding is Njord's original wife is who Frey and Freya came from. But also, then the fact that they call them Azir in this is incorrect according to other lore, because they would be Vonner. Mm, okay, so that's a good point, but uh, genetically is not the right word. They have Vonic origins, as mm -hmm. in Njord and his first wife, who is also his sister. That's why he's still not married, because the Aesir didn't... Um, the Aesir weren't okay with... Um, what's it called? Incest. And mm -hmm. the Vonir were, I guess. So Njord's first wife was his sister, which is where Frey and Freya came from. And they are... Vanek in that sense, that their lineage is Vanek. I think they're called Aesir because they, they are... Yes. Asgard. And they're... Hmm, who do you say? The Yes, because they live in Asgard and they support the goals and aims of the Asgard and stuff like that. Like you could call Scotty Aesir because she lives in Asgard and she's part of the Asgard community now, even though she is actually a giant. And that is a good distinction frey and freya are definitely vonic gods even though they live with the azir now they can be called azir in the sense that they are of the azir community now but their mm. lineage is vonic and i think there's a distinction between vonic gods and azir gods their nature the nature of a vonic god is usually more connected to nature and to love and to animalistic is not the right connotation but 
um, more like natural things. And, and you know, Frey and Freya are good examples, and Njord as well. Frey and Freya are all about nature and love and physicality and stuff like that. Whereas much of the Aesir gods are more about um, knowledge and war and kingliness and things like that. What would you call the nature of the Jotun? I think a nature of a Jotun would be chaotic. They're they're more connected with uh, chaotic type things, I I would think. And see, and this all wraps around to a point that I've heard mentioned elsewhere, and I don't know if we've ever talked about it before, but it's not a race thing. These are all people. This is more mm-hmm. of a tribal name. Like a Jotun is a tribal name as opposed to being... Uh, uh, a race of actual literal giants, which they're not really, because no one's bigger than anyone else except for that one time, but that was an illusion. Uh, right. If you can recall that. Oh, with the story of Utgard Loki? Yes. Yeah. Um. Well, it's interesting to say what is a race when we're talking about mythology, because we're not talking about... I mean, everybody will have a different opinion on this but you're not talking about physical entities like you couldn't go find a giant if you search the earth long enough i don't think that the azir the vanir or the giants were ever physically real now not everybody will agree some people will have different theories on this and they're certainly not wrong just my own understanding is they are spiritual entities so what is one race verse versus another race? If it's if it's not something physical, it's mm, it's, it's a world of ideas, so it's a different tribe of ideas. Yeah, uh, yeah, I I think that's what it is. So the giants are a different tribe of ideas, and Scotty, for example, was originally part of that tribe of ideas, but she sort of changed over time and aligned herself more with the azir way of thinking and yet as they have still retain you yes know, the aspect that's why the vanir are still vanic even though right. they're as guardians right because frey and freya are still fighting for the same goals that the azir gods are fighting for of um maybe order and rationality but they still carry over those azir tendencies like the connection to nature um you can see where if that's untempered that would be a bad thing you could become a hedonist that would be the risk of being completely on one set of ideas like the nature thing the enjoying yourself thing the appreciating nature and living naturally is all good but if it's unbridled and it doesn't have any sort of order or rationality to keep it in check then it can be a bad thing because you end up being a hedonist and that doesn't usually end well for people who do that yeah and i well uh, yeah that's that's a good point and i mean he's got some giant tendencies as well um as does, I suppose, Scotty, and even Thor. Thor has a little bit of giant tendency sometimes, mm-hmm. and his lineage makes that make sense. But yeah, so when we're talking about races, it's it's easy to confuse it with like what we mean races when we talk about physical races, like you're genetically from a different 
person. And I, I don't think that's probably the case. It's, they're from a different school of thought, so to well, speak. All the gods and giants sprang forth from one kind of creation myth. Well, they all came from one creation myth, yes. And it's that same combining of two, uh, chaos and stagnation, you know, fire and ice, that created both of them. They're basically the same people, except they took it differently, it seems. The, the concepts, the ideas. The, it's a different tribal rule kind of thing. Yeah. I, I see it as. Yeah, they have different guiding principles, I think. And I think the big one for the Azir would be the, like, order and rationality. That's what sets them apart from the other races, which I think is a good combination of chaos and stagnation, or fire and ice, is tempering whatever you do with rationality. And the Vonic went with a more chaotic view but also a more connected to nature view and a more naturalistic view you know as people we have rationality and we have uh animalistic side if there's negative negative connotations to animalistic take them away because that's not what i'm saying but we have a natural side where we have certain feelings and desires and stuff like that and we have a rational side and I think the Aesir are more on the rational side, and the Vonir are more on the um, nature side. And we need both of them, honestly. We definitely need both of them. But I think that the rational side needs to uh, be in charge, might be the right word. The rationality needs to lead us. But it can't, which is why with the Aesir, you have somebody like Odin, who's all about rationality leading us. But you cannot forget about the natural side or the nature side, or you just turn into weird robots. And as much as I joke about it, I don't actually want to be a weird robot. We need to make room for those more natural thoughts and stuff like that as well. Um. So yeah, when we're talking about races of gods, I think it's more along those lines. Without getting into theories of I world of ideas and what does existence mean. I can't tell if it's coming across or not, but it seems like I'm getting some sort of microphone feedback and I'm trying to fix it. Uh, I appreciate that because you are getting some microphone feedback. Hopefully it won't come across in the uh, recording, but I'm not sure. Um... Oh, where were we? Uh, I did want to say about... Yeah, it's a good point what you said. This line, Njord and Natan begot afterwards two children. I wonder what the original was, what that translation means, after what. Uh, but my understanding has always been that Njord and his first wife had Freya and Freya. And... I'm pretty sure that's the case. So this is maybe not the best wording that they could have used here. And generally speaking, my first source of lore is going to be something like the Valsapa or the Poetic Eddas, because there are going to be some differences that maybe you have to make sense of when you get into the Gilfaginning. Um, it just really depends on how you read it. I I feel like that begot afterwards could definitely imply 
<clears throat> that it was after Njord was already one of the Aesir, which is not the way I understand that. Or maybe they're just wording it weird. I don't know. It's kind of hard to say. Okay. Um, so, uh, what are we, 25 now? 25. I'm going to go ahead and read that one, just because your microphone's being a little weird, but it's getting better. I think um, it's okay now, and it's your turn anyway. Oh, is it my turn? Okay. Yeah. Then I'll definitely read it. Uh, then said Ganglary, Great in powers do the Aesir seem to me, nor is it marvel that much authority attend attends you who are said to possess understanding of the gods and know which one men should call on for what huh which men should call on for For what what boon soever okay sorry um or are they gods yet more? Har said, Yet remains that one of the Aesir who is called Tyr. He is most daring and best in stoutness of art, and he has much authority over victory and battle. It is good for men of valor to invoke him. It is a proverb that he is Tyr valiant who surpasses other men and does not waver. He is so wise so that it is also said that he is wise It is also said that he that is wisest is tear prudent. This is one token of his daring. When the Aesir enticed Fenris Wolf to take upon him the fetter of Glepnir, the wolf did not believe them that they would lose him until they laid Tyr's hand into his mouth as a pledge. But when the Aesir would not lose him, then he bit off the hand at the place that is now called the wolf's joint. And Tyr's and here is one-handed, and is not called a reconciler of men. And here is one-handed, and is not called a reconciler of men. Okay. So this well, is talking gotta, about tear, tear. And also another kinning that we can all know now, so when you hear wolf joint, you know it's a wrist. Yes. Yeah, that's a lot. That's, that's a good one. I like the other thing they called people tier valiant and tier prudent um it's neat to see how apparently back in the day that like in everyday speech the gods would play a part in like everyday life like and i really like all these different kinnings that like a wolf joint being your rest is sort of a constant reminder of the lore and Kinnies are just cool. It's it's like it's not quite talking in code, but you have to have all this extra knowledge to really understand what people are saying, which is sort of sort of neat. I mean, you kind of have it today now with memes. People will understand certain memes, and if you don't understand those memes, you won't quite fit into or fully understand the conversation that's going on. And I think that can sort of create a sense of unity and belonging if you're the person who does understand what's going on. The downside is the people who don't understand what is going on are sort of outsiders or outcasts at that point. But from the point of the view of the people who do understand, it's like an extra thing that you can share and feel like you're part of a Secret knowledge isn't quite the right word, but feel like you're part of a community and only because you're part of that community are you able to understand what's going on. So that's kind of neat. I have a I have a I have a dilemma. 
Yes. I've read at least a little bit of the next two uh, stanzas, and I yeah. want to read both, but you can read the first one, but I definitely have to read the next one. It just depends on what you want to do. Um, You can go ahead and read both of them. I mean, okay. this 126 coming up is one that I really like, too. So, just to be clear. But yeah, okay. go ahead and read both of them. Then this one, 26, is one is called Braggy. He is renowned for wisdom and most of all for fluency of speech and skill with words. He knows most of scholarship and after him scholarship is called brag and for or and from his name that one is called a bragger man or woman who possesses eloquence surpassing others of women or of men his wife is a she guards in her chest of ash those apples which the gods must taste whensoever they grow old and then they all become young and so it shall be even unto the weird of the gods then singangleri a very great thing, methinks, the gods entrust to the watchfulness of the good faith of Iduna. Then Har said, then Har laughed loudly. "'Twas never being desperate once. I may be able to tell thee of it, but now thou shalt first hear more of the names of the Aesir." Oh, Braggy. Who doesn't love Braggy? Those who don't know him. Those who know him love him. <laughs> um, I am a big fan of Braggy. Actually, everyone at Hugenhoff for whatever reason, we're all really huge fans of Braggy. He's the god of poetry and of stories, arguably of music. Um, he's a really cool god, I think. I just, I, I really like him. Iduna is a really cool goddess as well with her apples. That he keep... doesn't get enough screen time, I don't think. He doesn't. I think that's right. Um, and well, I like definitely he, he gets in there at least a little bit. She yeah. only has uh, her apples stolen. And I think that might be about the most she's involved in a story. Yeah, she doesn't get enough time and the lore either. And if that's uh, arguably because we lost it, whatever the reason, we don't have nearly enough stories about Iduna or Braga either. But I like them because, first of all, they're a great pair. There's a lot of, um, hmm. Uh, Youthful celebration. Know. Think about that. You know, yeah. I just mean they're a really good pair. That they, with a lot of the other relationships in mythology, sometimes there's some amount of tension. Not that they're not the other gods and goddesses aren't good pairs, but it just seems that Braggy and I do get along better than most everybody, and they. I think it's neat because Iduna is the one who actually keeps the gods young because as they eat her apples, they get young again. So so she keeps them alive. But her counterpart, Braggy, is the one who tells the stories, which is sort of what keeps the gods alive in the hearts of people, you know, in Midgard. So so Iduna is... is um, quote-unquote, physically, even though gods aren't physical entities. But Iduna is, like, uh, physically keeping the gods alive in the sense that she is keeping them from aging. But then Braggy is keeping them alive in the hearts and minds of people. So, so both of them 
are filling this important role of keeping the gods alive, but in very different ways. If it's like actually keeping the actual gods alive, or if it's keeping um, the stories of the gods and the memories of the gods alive in people, both of those are really important things. Um, and, and I like how they're such a good, like perfect pair and they have like the flip sides of the two coins. And, and I think that poetry, and again, the poetry of Braggy is, is not so much poetry. Like we think of poetry today where we, you know, you think of a love poem or something along those lines. It was most often poetry in those days were these like epic, um, poetic stories i can't think of the actual word but but these big like poetic tales where the poetry was used to keep the history and the memory of your ancestors alive by passing on stories uh which is super cool and poetry has rhyme and meter because it makes it easier to remember this is why a song will be stuck in your head forever but maybe a bit of a book like even your best and most favorite phrase in a book, you might forget it if it isn't in kind of a, a a rhyming thing where one word calls to the next word so you can always get it right each time. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, that's one of the like practical the the practical aspects of poetry. I mean, it's beautiful and we like to hear it and all of that is worthwhile but also practically it didn't used to be that people would write all this stuff down they'd have to remember it you might there might be a traveling bard or a family member who would carry on these stories and tell people and without some sort of rhyme you would forget it so poetry became something necessary like a what's the word pneumatic device or whatever a way to remember these stories so that they could be passed on for generation after generation um poetry is really cool i like poetry i like the idea of writing and i really think that remembering both the gods and our ancestors are are hugely important things and i don't think that can be done without bragging true all right so now i'm gonna go on the 20 shavin here and uh yeah if, if you guys are familiar with who I am, you'll know why I like this one. Yes. Heimdall is the name of one. He is called the White God. He is great and holy. Nine maids, all sisters, bore him for a son. He is also called Halenskidi and Golentani. His teeth were of gold, and his horse is called Goldtop. He dwells in the place called Himenbjorg, hard by Bifrost. He is the warder of the gods, and he sits there by heaven's inn to guard the bridge from the hill giants. He needs less sleep than a bird. He sees equally well at night and day a hundred leagues from him, and he hears how grass grows on the earth or wool on sheep and everything that has a, lou a louder sound. He has that trumpet which is called the Galahorn, and its blast is heard throughout the worlds. Heimdall's sword is called Head. It is said further, Himenbjörg tis called where Heimdall, they say, I has his housing. There the god Sentinel drinks in his snug hall, gladly good mead. And furthermore, he himself says, in Heimdaller Galder, I am of nine, mother's the offspring, of sister's nine, I am the son. 
All right, I'm sure that you have something to say about Heimdall because you are connected to him. I'm going to let you take this one. I'm just going to remind you to talk about the White God thing. Ah, yes. Uh, that was the first thing I was going to mention. Now, White God doesn't necessarily mean that he is alabaster, you know, a color of white. Um, within uh, the Norse and Northern way of speaking, white is also something you would call someone who is older. He is the white god. He is an old god. He could also mean wise. So, you know, since he is Heimdall, he is Heimdall the wise, the white god, because of his possible age that some people say is older yet. But, you know, there's there's no knowing because, you know, lore is lore. Also, the fact that he has nine maids, all sisters, who bear him, the mothers, okay, has recently made me think of the nine worlds, born of the nine mothers, the nine sisters, sister world. See, this is just me. <laughs> I could ramble on and on and on about that. I just think it's very interesting. And the fact that he is so awake and alert and he sleeps less than a bird and he can see so far away in the night and day. Uh, okay, I'm sorry. I'm going to gush. No more. You take over because I can't do it. Um, no, he's a very interesting god. And another one that I don't think eh, among most people gets enough attention. I feel like Braggy, Iduna and Heimdall are three of the ones that really don't get nearly as much attention as they should. Since um, they're so important. I mean, come on. Right. We've, we've talked about bragging his importance in Iduna too to the gods and, you know, carrying on memories and stuff. But Heimdall, he's sitting here guarding Asgard. Yeah, Heimdall has an extremely important job of guarding Asgard. And who is it that he kills in Ragnarok? Isn't it Loki? It is Loki. They kill each other. So, I mean, that in itself says that he must be of great importance because in mythology you don't... <sighs> the person you end up fighting is is going to be your equal. So, with Loki playing such a big role, if Heimdall is his equal on the good side or the other side, then that says something. Um, I really... but But... Uh, the idea of the guardian of the god is an of the gods is an extremely important job, which would be a really difficult job too. So he definitely has an important job. I really like the idea of first of all nine sisters. We've got the number nine, which is always a magical number and always an important number. So we know it's important for that. I like the idea that he's the uh, the prodigy of the nine worlds. That's that's a cool one that I don't know if I've heard that before, but I really like it. I think that's a really interesting take on what that means because that's always a difficult one to understand. Like, well, why is. You know, it's also nine is very prominent, so it just could be. It is. You know, hey, prominent. You know, here it is. I have a statement and a question. Okay. Uh, okay, so first statement is we have a kinning in here because uh, Heimdall's sword is called Head. Which is funny, because the tenth wave, after nine waves, is called a ram, and ram is another kind of name you would call Heimdall. So, what is a weapon of a ram? It's its head. Yeah. 
That's a really good Kenny because there's a lot of backstory and thinking to make sense of that Kenny. Yeah, and that's the, a good one. And the question is, what is the horn that uh, Odin drinks from at Mimir's Well? Do you remember the name of that horn? No. Now, oh. I believe it's the Gala horn, but I could be wrong. And this is why some people have equated Heindel sometimes to Odin, which brings even more complications to the lay of rig. I, I know way too much about Heimdall, or I've looked into it too much, and certain things get a little blurred for me. Right. And I, I think that people have a tendency to try to lump all of the gods together, um, which... I don't usually think is right. There's there's a big push by a lot of people saying Frey and uh, Frey and or sorry Freya and Frigga are mm -hmm. the same goddess, which I don't really buy that, but I see the reasoning. And yeah, you, there's a lot of similarities between Heimdall and Odin, so it can make sense to put them together. What I usually come back to is, first of all, there's not a right and a wrong answer. A lot of it is just personally, what are you going to believe or not believe? Um, uh, but to me, not every, how do I say it? If we think of gods as individual entities, there can be two people that are similar. Mm -hmm. and they're not the same. I mean, I have a lot in common with Steve, like, we both like science fiction, and we both like anime, and we both like computers. There's a lot of stuff that is similar between the two of us. A lot of our political beliefs are similar. There's a lot of stuff that are similar. But you wouldn't say, well, you're probably the same person. Just a little schizophrenic. No, because there's differences, too. We're not the same person, even though we have similarities. And I tend to fall on the side that Heimdall and Odin are separate entities they just have a lot of similarities uh, but the argument that they're the same i i think that there's good reasons to believe that there's good merit for that and especially with this thing that uh heimdall is the white god or the oldest and wisest of the god is another connection to odin and the lay of rig where he's like structuring society very much a thing that odin would do a very odinistic well, thing. the question is, is Odin called the oldest anywhere else? Well, he's called the father of the gods. Right. Which implies that he would be the oldest because well, he's the... Well, mean leader. It could, but also in the lore, we know that he's like the third entity to exist because you've got Bor and Buri and right. then... They're the, the next one in line is Odin and then the rest of the gods. So you have, in that sense, an idea that he's the oldest in that way. I don't think they're the same, but it's not like I can really point to anything and say they're definitely different. Especially I, with the piecemeal war <clears throat> that we have now and again. Right. But I do think that here, you know, it's talking about Heimdall is the one who watches. He's the guardian of the gods. His job is to constantly watch and be on guard for the giants attacking and Ragnarok starting. That's one of the reasons I feel like he can't be Odin because Odin is constantly traveling and he's constantly going to different lands and learning different things and interacting with 
with humanity, with the giants, with all these different worlds. He's traveling the nine worlds, not watching. So I feel like you can't do both at the same time. Okay, so it does also look like the Galahorn is used at Memmer's Well, so at least I had that memory correct. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, there's definitely a lot of connections to them, because Odin, uh, sac when he sacrificed himself on the, um, what's it called, uh, the World Tree, uh, that's very much, you know, it's the World Tree. In, in many ways, he's connected to all nine of the worlds in that act of sacrifice. Um, there's definitely similarities. I mean, there's no doubt that there are a lot of similarities between the two gods. I think it'd be a hard question to say, are they separate or not? I still think they're two separate gods who have a lot of similarities. Um, but, you know, that's something interesting that people should definitely study. But I guess my big one is that Heimdall has to guard Asgard. And that's a full-time job. And Odin has constantly said... Uh, he did... You know, he just, oh, okay, so I guess that's what the counter-argument would be. In his early days, he was doing all this stuff like the Lay of Reg, but now he's just guarding it. But I feel like the nature of, I, I feel like Heimdall could do that. He could set up the world, because the Lay of Rig is basically setting up the social structure that people used. He set up the world. And now he is guarding the world. I feel like that is Heimdall's nature. I feel like Odin's nature is one that he will constantly travel. He doesn't have a few stories. He has just like a, an infinite number of stories of traveling all over the world. I feel like Odin's nature is to constantly travel. And wow. Heimdall has the nature where after the work is done, he can then guard what he's created. There, there's also the story of him every year traveling. Um, to gathering the dead, the fallen slain. Oh, Odin, you were right, in the Wild Hunt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Every year he has to travel to uh, gather the fallen dead and lead the Wild Hunt to get them to the afterlife or whatever. So how's he watching? I, I, I was going to say, and I will say, so how's he watching Asgard at that time? I understand to some extent you don't want to be too literal when you read the lore, like be like, oh, this timeline doesn't work exactly perfectly because lore isn't reality in the same sense that our everyday reality works because it's very much a spiritual thing and an idea thing and everything else. But I, I just feel like that story and all these other stories of Odin show that he is ultimately a traveler and he constantly travels. And Heimdall can't. He has to watch. He has to guard um, Asgard, which is part of the huge sacrifice that he's making, which makes him so honorable and so important that he can't do other things. Did he set up the world in the Lay of Rig and now he's guarding the world? I think that makes a lot of sense. Is it the Lay of Rig is really about Odin and not Heimdall? And every and they're still separate gods. I, I guess that could make sense too. Um, I think they're separate because I think Heimdall is a guardian and I think Odin is a traveler. And I 
I don't think you can be both of those things really, not in the way that they are. Um, but it's a great question to bring up and a great thing for people to think about. And now you're talking archetypes of a traveler and a guardian. Good job. I am. I, now I've moved back after saying that the gods aren't just archetypes. They can they can be individuals. Now I've moved back into archetypes <laughs> and saying that they're different archetypes. So I'm, I'm sort of mixing my arguments or mixing my metaphors here. Um, but I just feel like the type of entity Odin is, he's always going to travel. I, I don't feel like he could just be the guardian because uh, that's just not something that he could do. And I feel like Heimdall could. So it's a good question. I think it's a good question. But ultimately, my own personal belief, which nobody has to believe, but my own personal belief is that they are two separate gods. Ooh. By the way, this next one, I we're not allowed to read it. I'm sorry. Uh, why is that? You'll find out, because it's your turn to read it. Okay, well, I mean, I'm going to read it, because it's printed here, but okay. One of the Aesir is named Hoder. He is blind. He is of sufficient strength, but gods would desire that no occasion should rise of naming this god. For the work of his hand shall long be held in memory among gods and men. Oh, yeah. Everyone yeah. remembers that, right? <laughs> and Write and, in your answers before listening further. So pause the podcast. And what did the work of his hand? What was it? <laughs> uh, yeah. And um, I, I like this one because they don't actually elaborate. I don't know. I haven't read all the way down. But it, it's this is one of those things that is known. Um but yes, we know that Hoder was the one that, through being tracked, but still uh, killed Baldur, and and yeah, uh, so that was a thing. I think we just did our volley bloat, which volley is the one who then took vengeance on Baldur by killing Hoder. Um, but yeah, I mean that's a really big story uh, in the lore. Basically, Loki tricks Hoder into killing Balder. It's an actual story that we've probably gone over, and if we haven't, we probably will at some point in time. So there's all the details there. Um, and even though in a, in a lot of ways it was Loki's fault, and he was certainly not without blame. And I feel like that's absolutely one of the things that led to loki being bound hoder was the one who actually threw that mistletoe dart that killed balder and because of that um volley killed him to get vengeance now what i but find yeah, amusing, that's dark what i find amusing is they're separated because the next one no it's a different god but the one after that the <laughs> sorry i i just i'm way mm. ahead here as i'm listening uh, but I'll yeah. go ahead and, and I'll talk about the separate one or the separator. Yes, and and I think uh, we'll we'll get to volley obviously, um, and then we'll probably be wrapping up because I think we've done nearly an hour. Uh, yeah, we're coming up on it. Though next one is twenty. Uh, mm, yep. So Vidar is the name of one, the silent god. He has a thick shoe. He's nearly as strong as Thor. In him, the gods have great trust in all struggles. So he's good. He's got a good shoe. Okay. Um, I, I think that's in reference to something. I can't recall. Didn't he put his foot down on something? 
Yeah. Um, okay. Because, uh, see, you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but in Ragnarok, the Fenris wolf kills Odin. And then I think, I think it was Vitter who, like, ripped his, killed him by ripping his head open, basically, by putting his shoe on the bottom, on his bottom jaw. And that's why it had to be thick. And then just, like, ripping up and then killing him that way yes. to avenge Odin. Yes, uh, the wolf Fenrir, a conflict. Uh, yep, yes, that's what so. Very short one there, but they're just like, well, we can't go straight to Folly after that. <laughs> um, and then the next one thirty. One is called Ali or Vali, son of Odin and Rinder. He is daring in fights and most and a most fortunate marksman. And of course, that's Vali who we we're just talking about, who avenged Balder by killing Hodor. And and it's weird, all of that is in there. All of that, like, story is is in these two lines, but it's not stated at all. It's just, it, it that's kind of cool. It's just like, we know what you're talking about. We don't talk about that anymore. They they do in other stories because you need to know the history. But like in this one, it's it's almost like, we don't, uh, don't forget, look, yeah, this is a god, but we don't talk about him anymore. And then Vali is mentioned down here like, oh, and don't forget that Vali is cool and he's a marksman. And no, he definitely deserves honor. But it's like this whole reference to the story that's never outright stated. They're almost saying it with a wink. Right, right. It's, it's one of those things that like you understand what they mean, but they're not going to outright state it because it was like, that was a bad thing. They don't want to think about it. They don't want to say it out loud. But those two stanzas would be throwaway lines that meant nothing without all of that other lore behind them. Which also kind of gets me to thinking sometimes, how many throwaway lines, how many lines are out there that we think are throwaway lines because this entire body of lore doesn't exist anymore and we don't know it that's a depressing thought but eh, it's depressing but the fact some stuff lived on and there are yeah. people like you and i and the listeners out there who are interested in this stuff it, it it continues it on it does and ultimately it's not depressing but because i think that we can't have a strong connection to our gods because we do still have a lot of the lore left but i love little things like this where there's just so much stuff that's expected to be known. And to get what they're really saying, you have to have all of this background knowledge. Um, Which is why we can have, like, what, yeah. a 15-minute uh, back and forth about Heimdall. <laughs> oh, there's, right. There's stuff missing, but there's a lot of information out there. we got to yeah. scour through it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's nice because it kind of keeps you sharp, I guess. You're always having to remember these. And I don't know why I love it, because my memory is the worst in human history. I have a terrible memory. But it, it's kind of nice to constantly be... Ha to constantly have your memory being pulled or pulled upon and constantly having to think about things when you read instead of just sort of glazing over and being like oh here's all this stuff laid out it, it sort of forces you to make those connections of what's That's going my on least favorite thing about certain books is where something just happened in the last chapter and let me just tell you everything that happened in that last chapter again before we move on <sighs> right it annoys me it's like sometimes 
it, it's almost a thing of respect. So I, I don't know if people take it. I'm sure the author doesn't take it this way of whatever book you're talking about. Um, but it's almost a thing of respect. Like, as an author, do I respect you enough to think that you're going to remember the things you've already read and you're going to make the connections on your own? Or do I think you're a brain-dead moron and I need to spell out everything that's going on? But you know, if you're... Yeah, there there are times it's fine, at least in my opinion, because I've done it before. Because I had that mm. trilogy, and I kind of do a very brief synopsis of what happened in the previous book. So, if it's been a while and you need to have your memory jogged, you can you know jump into the second right. book or the third book. But like every chapter, I I keep seeing this, and not only that, but a character starts talking to another character about what just happened. We don't need to see that again. It could, it, unless it's no. super brief, just to kind of play the scene a little bit, that's fine. But like, if it goes on for like a page, telling me yeah, what just happened, yeah, you don't that need that irritating. because it just happened. And as an author, I should trust my reader to remember what just happened. And the other thing that's annoying is is if they ever like, you know, it'll be like, and then Sagoth murdered him, which was the wrong thing to do. It's like okay. <laughs> I know, I know, I could have made that connection myself. Um, but I, I, I mean, I see the flip side too. You don't want the book to be too complicated or people will get lost. But I feel like a lot of the lore has a lot, and, and uh, like talking about these two lines here has a lot of respect for the reader because they're like, they're going to know what's going on. They're going to make the connection. They're going to see what I'm really saying by saying we don't talk about it anymore, basically. Um, they're going to understand the lore that's involved with that. And, and if they don't, they're going to research it or find it out or whatever. There's some respect for the audience that it's like, yeah, they can figure this out. And, and you know, a thing about Kinnings too, they respect the audience that they can figure it out, even when it's complicated, like yeah. Heimdall's sword being the head. That's a good one. That one's kind of tricky. It goes but, on forever, too. You just have to know so much. It's yes. ridiculous. But you're expected to know that much, and in some sense, it's kind of nice, because they're like, we don't need to spoon-feed you. You're a grown-up. You can figure this out on your own. And that's something I think we're really getting away from, and I usually read old, old books probably for this reason. I feel like people are far more spoon-fed than they used well, to be. Yeah, it's just like, he's the murderer, that? and that's wrong, by the way. Don't forget. I. Ugh. Well, okay, so remember when the, uh, what was it, the Gutenberg Press became a thing? and everyone, Oh, yes. There was a Project Gutenberg. Were, not Project Gutenberg, necessarily, but like the actual Gutenberg Press, originally making oh, books available oh. to everyone, and how there were certain individuals who were upset because like they're like now you'll just be able to grab a book and read it and you won't need to remember anything anymore you know? oh yeah yeah so now that information is so much more available you don't need to think about anything anymore because all you got to do is research it on the internet but you yeah. don't have to hold any of that information in your head and yes there is an aspect to that but also it makes us more intelligent uh, rounded individuals because we're going to remember things maybe not everything but enough to be functional yet it does seem like it is uh kind of making us different uh, at least 
with the media that is being produced for us to consume because it is spoon feeding us a little bit like yeah and i don't know how much of that yeah it, it's it's definitely different and, and i don't even know how modern it what it is because i haven't read many books that were published like recently recently from popular authors um I don't read too many popular authors anymore, but the ones that I do are usually very confusing, uh, and, and that's in, in a good way. Like it takes a minute oh, for you okay. to get used to okay. the way you read it. Uh, I do read some smaller, lesser known. I, I don't want to say smaller because they can produce an awful lot. I'm reading a series right now written uh, here recently, and there's like 15 books in it, and I'm on like book I don't know oh. 11 or 12, and Pretty good writer. Uh, they simplify certain things here and there, but it still allows the story to flow as opposed to calling back on things. But you do see some of that uh, spoon feeding kind of thing, which I'm just going to keep saying because apparently I can't think of another way. Yeah. <laughs> well, I got it a lot when I read some. It was, I don't even want to mention the book because then it's like I'm insulting a book and I don't like to insult books. But anyway, I read a popular book that was written, I don't know, probably the 90s or so. But it was like super mass market, super popular. And everything was just so obvious. And the things that were obvious, they made more obvious. And I'll tell you as soon as we're done. Um, The things that were obvious, they made more obvious. And I was like, I don't need this level of detail. And then if you read something like uh lovecraft uh, whose entertainment or or steinbeck who i like both of them lovecraft is my favorite i really like steinbeck too they would just tell a story and you decided what that story meant especially steinbeck Mm -hmm. i say steinbeck was a really great author in my opinion but you decided what that story meant they didn't have a little wrap up at the end where it was like oh and by the way this story meant this it's like no you figured that out they're just telling a story and you're reading the story and you're making the connections on your own of like and and they were complex stories and it wasn't black and white and it wasn't like this is the good guy this is the bad guy um but they forced you to make connections and they never repeated themselves. They didn't have at the start of every chapter a wrap up or I mean a synopsis of what just happened. And I respect them for that because I don't want to deal with that at the beginning of every chapter, even if it's a long book. So yeah, I'm not always a huge fan. I think there's a lot of exceptions. There are really great authors that are modern, um, but there's a lot of junk too. Then again, maybe that's because I don't know any of Steinbeck's contemporaries who were no good because they weren't popular to be around anymore. That, that, that's kind of the advantage of because I'm, I'm yeah. I, I like classical music and I like, you know, older, like 19th century, especially literature. The bad stuff is mostly gone because, you know, the mediocre composer isn't going to still be around because no one bothered saving his music. And Vivaldi is going to be easy to find because he was worth saving the music for. So, you know, maybe if I read contemporary books 100 years from now, they'd all be great because the bad ones had not survived the test of time. I don't know. It's uh, it's a thing, but I do feel like a lot of things are dumbed down to a ridiculous extent, and I, I I don't appreciate that. So, 
whole point to finish the tangent. I like how they leave things implied and just expect you to figure it out on your own. Um, I think this is a good place to stop. Yeah, we'll stop here. So next month we will start on 31. Yep. Hey, look, I'll put it in the chat. All right, we'll start on 31. Oh, that was the wrong chat. No, it wasn't. Okay. Oh, you're uh, fine. Next month we'll start on 31. And yeah, I guess we'll just do closing thoughts. Steve, any closing thoughts? This one was a pretty good one, I think, uh, for some lore and some work with the lore. And this is why reading some of these uh, stories outside of the Poetic Eddas can be valuable. Not only because it might bring different information in, but it, like we've been talking about this last several minutes, it can make you... Uh, use your mind and memory to call back and say, yes, I understand what you're saying because I can connect these two things now, even if you aren't being clear about what's being said. So I enjoyed that. Thank you. Yeah, I, I enjoyed this one. Uh, we did go on a couple of tangents, but I like going on tangents, and that's sort of the big part of this. If you just wanted to know what the lore was, you could just read it yourself, which you should, by the way, everybody out there. Um, go and read the lore. But yeah, the, the, the lore is often used as like a jumping off point to discuss other things that are sometimes very related and actually absolutely talking about the lore, like the Heimdall discussion, or things that are tangentially related, like the literature discussion. So um, I guess my closing thought is just there's a lot of good stuff in the lore, especially if you sit down and really spend some time with it and, and, and think about it and think what it's referencing back to and stuff like that. There's there's a whole lot of stuff to be learned, and I think it's definitely worth your time to read. So with that said, I want to remind people that you can buy Steve's book, by going to Amazon and probably just type in Stephen Oaks and he's got a couple different books. Walk-On is still your newest one, isn't it? Yeah, I'm still working on this latest one and it, it's it's getting pretty close, but there, there's a couple of changes that we're making, so I'm not exactly sure when that'll be out, but no, Walk-On's the latest so far. All right. Well, and when the new one comes out, obviously, we will tell you. Um, links can be found in the show notes for that and uh, you can, of course... My book is Lightbringer by Byron Rogers. I haven't started a new one. I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, you can read that. And don't you have a Twitter account? Yes, and apparently I've gotten a couple of people who listen to the show follow me on there. It's just Stephen Oaks on Twitter. Awesome. And if I remember correctly, I put that into the show notes. So that should all be there. I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, yeah, I want to thank everybody for listening and remind everyone, if you want to, you can go to my website, which is hugenhoff.org. That's H-U-G-I-N-H-O-F.org. You can send feedback there, hugenhoffpodcast at gmail.com. I eventually check all of my emails and I try to reply to everybody. You can follow Steve on Twitter. I am not on Twitter or Facebook or Google+. Plus. But Google Plus went away, so I feel like I get an out for that. Whatever. No one's cared about it for a long time. That's true. Uh, But anyway, yeah, best 
uh, best way to get a hold of me is actually email hugenhoffpodcast at gmail.com. And remember to subscribe to the RSS monthly podcast. It's hard to remember to to um, download every month but if you subscribe in something like Podkicker, which apparently Laura or Steve and I like uh, it'll just come automatically every month so thank you everyone for listening and we will see you next month Frahel Frahel Frahel